is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Good morning. Well, good morning. Happy Sunday, everyone. Shout out to Stanley for starting off Let Your Voice Be Heard with Droopy Freestyle. Duppy. I'm sorry. What? How, how do you put an R that's not there, Selena? I'm sorry. Look, I haven't been here for three weeks, so let me so just... So she doesn't really know exactly. Exactly. She doesn't know how to read anymore. <laughs> Apparently. All right, guys. You gotta so play Hallelujah for her. Then she'll get it right. Mm. Oh, please do. Um, all right, guys. <laughs> so this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, pop culture, Drake and Pusha T beef, and all other things Kanye. Um, and Kim. <laughs> Kanye, Kim, and Trump. Seriously. Trump um, and Rump? Trump and Rump. I don't like. Okay, so we're, we're going to talk about that because I know a lot of people are saying it was sexist to refer to Kim K as Rump, um, even though the New York Post did a brilliant, hilariously brilliant cover calling her Rump. But hey, we'll talk about that. We have a lot to talk about. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're recording live now on WHCR 90.3, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Selena Hill. And of course, Miss is spelled with an M-S. Well, hello, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Alyssa. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Alyssa Fuchs, and you can find me. I'm your political and legal correspondent, so talk legal to me. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's Alyssa with an I, I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S, if you're dirty. Um, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs. You can leave a comment or a question on the Politically Preposterous fan page. And now, as of last Saturday, yep. you can also follow me on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs, that's I-L-Y-S-S-A dot F-U-C-H-S, if you're nasty. So you Alyssa. got an Instagram rollout plan? What's going on over here, beloved? Oh, yeah, I'm totally rolling out. It's like, uh, I don't know, I'm blowing up on, on IG now. Well, <laughs> welcome to IG, Alyssa. We've been waiting patiently. <laughs> Selena, I think Selena was more excited than I was. Honestly, no, Jackie was extremely I was excited. just on a train, and I was bored, and I was like, what am I going to do on this train ride? And then I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram. That's Why what I'm going to do. Because when you're bored, just start a new Instagram account. When right? I'm bored, I drink. I mean, I do that too, but, you know. Anyways, guys, this Who is Stanley. Are you? I am Stanley Fritz. What's going on, Facebook Live? I missed you guys all dearly. No, I didn't, actually. I didn't miss you at all. But if you were looking to become friends with me, follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. Or you can go on Instagram where I post with the repertoire of a G. And that name is also <laughs> Stan Fritz. And sometimes I go on Snapchat. No, I don't have to do that. But it's Dark Skin Swindle if you want to add me anyway. And, of course, if you want to see me being the rudest in the streets, just add me on Facebook unless you're a Republican. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So on that note, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about some Republicanism. Uh, I mentioned Kim. I mentioned Drake. Puerto Rico. Definitely, we're going to be talking about that. The uh, atrocity there and the fact that the numbers have been revealed by this Harvard study that said that nearly 5,000 people died in Puerto Rico. I mean, we knew it wasn't just 24 people, but that's what the Trump administration was trying to convince us of. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Trump's response. Oops, I forgot he hasn't responded. Yeah, he's uh, he's trash, y'all. As hundred percent trash. As if you didn't already know. Right. Yeah. I mean, or expect that, right? It's just it's horrible. So that, and then we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about racism and Roseanne. I mean, this is America, and you know, Roseanne just got canceled her show, and I, I think she's still on Twitter though. But we're gonna talk about that whole debacle that happened over Roseanne, her racist, problematic history, and what this really says about 
everyday racism in America and systematic racism because it definitely uh, points to larger issues at hand. So we're going to have a, a, a really in-depth conversation about that. And of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. You can also keep those comments flowing on facebook.com let your voice be heard that is where we are live right now and shout out to everyone who has joined and is watching and if you're on a podcast stop being shy you should watch <laughs> Lena off cut us off in the middle of our podcast ask us questions word and give us comments especially today when we're talking about roseanne and racism we know you all have strong feelings about it don't be shy tell us what you feel um, and, you know, we'll get your comments on the air. You hear that, Chrissy? You hear that, Catherine? Let your voice be heard. You too, Roland. So make sure you guys are letting your voice be heard. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking blackface, Drake, Kim. Oh, blackface. Yes, we're talking about it all. It's about mm. to be a surgical summer. We out of here, guys. Chop the tops off the coops. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR. Facebook Live, guess what? I took an Ambien this morning. <laughs> it's about to be late. Hennessy does not love you, Stanley. Seriously. I, I know this say. because I've seen you come in before and be like, Oh man, I shouldn't have drank so much Hennessy last night. That's Stanley every um, Sunday morning. But shout out to Stanley for coming through with those vocals. As we said right before break, we are kicking off the show talking about all of the news stories that happened in the last week that made us laugh, cry, start an Instagram account, delete Facebook, and all the other fun stuff. So we definitely have a lot to talk about. Stanley, what are we starting with? Which story? So we definitely got to start with the fact that Drake got his face his face kicked in by Pusha T and added on freestyle. We learned a couple of things. One, Drake is ashamed of his blackness. Could have told you that. Two, Drake has a secret son from a porno star, but not the one you go to on the main page of Pornhub. It's the one that has a pop-up where she has a <laughs> webcam you have to click on. Don't ask me how I know. I've never been on Pornhub. Never. Allegedly. I've never been on Pornhub in my life guys but that's the one and apparently Pusha T said Drake wasn't taking care of him Drake then put out a statement about his blackface which is how you know you've lost the rap battle and I've been sitting here just loving every second of it well I would say yes it's very entertaining but that whole blackface picture like I honestly feel like everyone took that out of context so uh, like what they took they took it out of context like the picture so Drake took had a whole photo shoot of him in blackface, blackface. and mm-hmm. basically he did that to highlight stereotypes um, and how actors and actors of color entertainers of color do not, aren't treated the same in the industry really? and basically they're typecast and to me he made a very strong political statement like it that was interpreted it was interpretive art and honestly, I appreciated it. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's time to cancel Drake because he was in blackface without taking into account why. Like, honestly, I think it was distasteful. And I don't think that he translated his message well. But to cancel Drake for wearing, for, for taking, for doing a photo shoot, that was like. Well, on. no one cares about that. Drake is black. He wants to do blackface. No, a lot of people me, well, cared about Well, that raises a good it. question that I was going to ask you guys. Like, can somebody who's black do blackface? And is that, you know, considered to be racist? Because, you know, like racism, as we've discussed many times on the show and will later on, is about a power structure. And so if somebody of color wants to quote unquote take it back. He is light skinned though. Um, <laughs> you know, like, okay, but that's an issue of colorism, is it not? 
Well, Alyssa raises a good, well, maybe Stanley did about his light skin privilege. At the end of the day, Drake is a black man who is also subjected to the one drop rule. Mm -hmm. And he is also always black according to society standards. Like a lot of people were like, oh, he's biracial. He's not a conscious rapper. He shouldn't even be trying to insert himself in that space. And I say no. Well, why not? A, a couple of things. I want to give a shout out to some people who are listening. Yeah, go ahead. Patty, thank you always for listening. Roland, my guy, thank you for listening. Chrissy, Renee, Catherine, you always listen. I adore you. Be beautiful. Alyssa, did we have a comment you want to read on Facebook? Uh, Live? You know, I just, cl- I, uh, you know, hold on. Give me one second. Yeah, we were getting a bunch of comments. We are getting um, a bunch of comments. So, um, so Roland says, is Drake done? Is this the end of Drake's brand and his career as a no, hip hop star? No, because white people will buy his albums, so he's good. You th- you think Becky and 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 Rhett are somewhere listening? Oh my God, push a body, Drake! No, they're waiting <laughs> as soon for the as album. Passion fruit comes on in the club. Everybody's gonna be swinging to that. So as soon as nice for what comes on in the club, I'm gonna be dancing. You crazy? <laughs> hey, so this is well, not it's the end right. of Drake. I mean, like that also raises a second question about you know you're gonna dance to R. Kelly, but you know. no, because but R. Kelly is R. Kelly molest children allegedly <laughs> allegedly drake got by in the freestyle but you know what when this song comes on right here let's uh, selena tell me you're not gonna dance murder on the beat you hear that come I on mean, now to me honestly you hear drake's talent he is he's a crossover superstar like he has extreme talent he has the lyrics he has the hooks he mm. sings i don't know he doesn't have the lyrics he doesn't well, write. he he makes well look he's probably one of the biggest hip-hop stars on the planet right now well, well that's undeniable carice love says that the one drop rule is outdated no oh, not by guys. society standards what? i mean if you're trying to hail a taxi in new york city and you're black or you're trying to walk through a store and you get followed around you're still like it's it's, racism is deep. White supremacy is deep. It is embedded in the fabric of our country. I don't think that's going a- away anytime soon. No, I mean, I, I agree. And I know we're going to talk about that more later on. So I'm going to hold my comments about everyday racism until the second segment. But if you're listening, you have a question <laughs> or a comment, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Puerto Rico. So, as you guys may or may not know, a new study came out that revealed that the death toll in Puerto Rico was not 40 people. It was 4,000. That was then updated to say almost 5,000 people have died in Puerto Rico since Hurricane Maria. Now, what does it actually mean? Did 40 people, did 4,000, sorry, pardon me, did 5,000 people die the day of the hurricane? No, that's not necessarily what happened. But from the power outages, from the loss of resources, from the faulting infrastructure, from the, the, the homes, from lack of food, from lack of access, that many people have died. What has the Trump administration done to be active about this? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you know what? If this were Switzerland, the president <laughs> would be jumping off of his orange behind trying to save some folks. But because it's Puerto Rico and it's black and brown people, they don't care. Just to put things in context, when you think about 4,600 people that died, by comparison, 2,977 people were killed in 9-11 and over 1,800 people died in Hurricane Katrina. So this is one of the worst atrocities that ever happened on U.S. soil. But still, half of Americans don't know that Puerto Ricans are American. So that that also plays a huge part into why they're being neglected to this degree. And a large amount of the deaths are also stemming from like lack of medical care, water, food, shelter, electricity, and just basic necessities to survive and basic things that 
every single American should be entitled to. I want you guys to know that um, Catherine Amaro, one of our listeners, hi, Catherine, she just put that she thinks that this is genocide what's happening in Puerto mm. Rico. And you know what? This, I, mean, I don't know if I'd qualify it exactly as genocide, but this, these are mass deaths that we have had the power to stop. Well, uh, well, damn, maybe, you know what? I was going to say, like, these are not just mass deaths. These are mass deaths that are preventable. Yeah. Um, that well, are preventable right. by basic human power needs. Um, and making, you know, like, for example, there was a person, a report that I was reading about a guy who was on a ventilator who needed basically 24, hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to have power uh, while his lungs recovered from a very serious lung disease. And he passed away because there was no power to keep that medical machine going. And so, this is one of those issues that it's not just about the official death toll of people that were directly killed by the hurricane itself. It's about all the other people that have now died from disease, lack of power, lack of food. And it is unconscionable that in 2018, when we are in theory living in the richest country in the world, and this is one of our commonwealths, which is just crazy to begin with, that we literally still have a colony um, of people that have not do not have statehood, cannot make their own decisions the way people who live in Florida, New York, California can, um, and yet the government absolutely neglects them. And then when you add the racial issue into it and the fact that the majority of people living in Puerto Rico um, are non-white, you know, and you look at who the president is, you realize exactly what's going on. Um, in fact, I heard somebody say that it should be referred to as a crime against humanity to the International Criminal Court. Now, that would be quite a stretch, and we don't have time to get into the legal aspects of that. But, you know, that's saying something about the situation when it's that serious yeah. and preventable. The racial politics cannot be denied at all. The fact that they're being neglected is because it's an island full of black and brown people that speak a language, that speak a different language. That's just the fact of the matter. And I know that Ivan Nicholas says in a uh, Facebook Live qu uh, comment, white supremacy is not deep. It's the skeleton of American society. I disagree. I think white supremacy, I think a another manifestation of white supremacy at its best is what's happening in Puerto Rico. I think that because those people aren't white, they aren't getting the treatment that they deserve. Yeah. And and guys, if you do want to help and provide support to Puerto Rico and people in Puerto Rico, listen, Rosa Clemente has been on the front lines from day one. You can support her in the work that she's doing by going to PROnTheMap.com. Again, that is PROnTheMap.com. And she's sharing stories from directly impacted people and also providing ways that you can give resources and help. And Puerto Rico needs all the help it can get because we know this KKK member is not going to provide anything. Let's talk about what Trump is paying attention to because obviously he's not doing anything on the ground in Puerto Puerto Rico. Yeah. Instead, he's inviting reality stars to the White House. So last week, Kim K paid a visit mm. um, and she talked about why she, um, the president needs to pardon a grandmother, a black grandmother who's been serving, I think, two decades in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. And the president stared at her butt the entire meeting. I mean, allegedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was filling in for Melania, allegedly. <laughs> Look, what did you guys? So, do you guys think that it was good that Kim K was using her platform to talk about an important 
um, topic. So in all seriousness, look, anybody who wants to go to the White House and has the president's ear and is going to speak about criminal justice reform or prison reform, I am for that. Do I think that Kim K was the right person to go to the White House as a reality star? No. Do I think there were many more people that are more qualified to talk about cr- prison reform and criminal justice reform that could have been uh, at the White House? Like, for example, our friend Tamika Mallory, who is a great person who would have been great to speak about that. Um, not to toot my own horn, but myself, you know, I consider myself quite an expert on criminal justice issues and prison reform. I think I know more than Kim Kardashian. I think Tamika does. I think there's many other people out there that are more qualified to speak about this issue. However, I am not upset if she's going to get through to him um, because this is a really important issue. And so if She's going to go there and he's going to listen and there's going to be potentially changes made that are going to impact everybody and help society. Then I can't really hate on that. So let's let's be clear about Kim Kardashian. Kim Kim Kardashian is a culture vulture who has made her career by sleeping with black men and stealing styles and cultures from black and brown women. That's all she is. And she's vapid and she's completely useless. Ninety five percent of the time. Donald Trump worships celebrities. It is what it is. So do so, Americans. So, yes, but the president of the United States should be a little bit more responsible, and he has power to do something. A little and bit this, more responsible. And this, <laughs> and this woman, and, and, you know, Kim, she's going to advocate for a woman who's been in jail for way longer than she needs to be. She has spent 21-plus years in jail. And you know what? I don't like Kim. I hate the Trump administration, but it is what it is. Um, and for the record, um, Alyssa, and you may notice too, actually, Alyssa, and for other others, there were criminal justice advocates who went to the White House the week before to talk to the administration about their criminal justice reform bill. I was actively against it. I have a few friends who went really? there and we disagree, but like, you know, I get what they were trying to do. They felt that like you had to be at the table if they're if they willing to have a conversation. And I believe that this racist administration is just using them as Negro props so that they can say, see, we love the uh, blacks. That's all it is. And I'm not really interested in tap dancing for a bunch of white supremacists. Mm. Um, with that being said, like that, that's not a shot like my people or the people who went there. You did what you had to do. That was just my personal stance on it. Look, I, as for criminal justice reform, it's one of those issues. And maybe the press is wrong because the press is wrong a lot and has been wrong before. Um, but most people who are in touch with this issue, at least at the federal level, because remember, criminal justice reform is two tiered. Yeah. It happens. It happens both at the federal level and at the state level. But in terms of the federal level, um, there's a lot of chatter around the fact that this is one of the few bipartisan things that they think could get done this year. It's something that uh, Republicans are for, in in particular, the more libertarian-leaning Republicans. It's something that many Democrats are for. Um, and so, like, just putting aside the racial politics that we've been, you know, dealing with um, in terms of the Trump administration from the very beginning, um, there's some real motivation that coming out of Congress, this may get done. And you don't want to get a decent bill that gets sent to the president's desk that he doesn't sign. So I do think, like you said, I, I, I agree with you that I think he's using people as political props on one hand, but I also think that on another hand, we want to convince the president to sign a bipartisan piece of criminal justice reform legislation. If it is going to materialize, we do not want him to veto that legislation. Well, I mean, and here's the thing. This is why, like, I, there was like this little glimmer of hope, right, that happened this week when Kim Carey came to the White House and started talking about criminal justice reform or prison reform. And then the day after they have the discussion, President Trump goes and pardons a right wing conspiracy theorist who has says who has said extremely racist things in the past. So I'm like, it, he's like he takes one little step up just to take five steps back. 
Yeah, and, and also, the, I just want to go back to Alyssa's comment about we might get a bipartisan bill. I don't trust these white people, and I damn sure don't trust Republicans or Democrats in, in Congress or Senate. The, the kind of bipartisan bill they're talking about would just include the private industry into the system. So maybe you're not sitting in a jail, but now you have a, a watch or an ankle bracelet on you so people can track you that you have to pay for, that if you miss a payment, you go right back to jail anyway. And I don't support that kind of criminal justice bill. That's, that's not even reform. It's just privatization. Um, you know, maybe folks who are who are in the work more deeply than I am feel differently, but I just feel like that's another way to put dollars on people's backs. No, I agree with you on that. Um, there's another bill that that's pending about sentencing reduction, which is the one that I was specifically referring to. But gotcha. I am, uh, t- you know, I am I'm aware of the bill that you're referring to. Yeah. On that note. Yeah. And then lastly, um, I wanted to talk about the rising Republican star um, governor in Missouri who had to resign over sex scandals. We have about Rape. 30 seconds. Rape. He tied a woman up. Allegedly. No, no. It was he's he indicted pled guilty? for it. Yeah. Well, indicted is not. Sorry, pled part guilty. Well, he's indicted on it. Allegedly. Thank you, Alyssa. That he made her get naked, tied her up, forced her to take pictures, and give him oral sex. He's a rapist. Allegedly. And he's also resigned. Um. On that note, we do have to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, guys. When we come back, we're talking about Roseanne and racism. This is America. This is also let your voice be heard. Stop. I mean. <laughs> We the best music. We are back on Let's Have <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> Was that anti-Semitic? No, no, she is a Jew and her name is Alyssa. That's true. <laughs> but if you said my friend is a black and his name is Stanley, would that <laughs> Probably. Let's no, unless they're referring Live. to you. Facebook Live. If Alyssa said in a song, my friend is a black and his name is Stanley Fritz, would that be racist? Because I just said my lawyer is a Jew. <laughs> She's a lawyer. And her full name is Alyssa, and her name is Alyssa. Could that? Be? I don't know what's happening. I Anyways. think it would have been better if you said my lawyer is Jewish and her name is Alyssa. But I don't know. We've had this conversation before. <laughs> yes, we don't have time to have this if one Cardi today. If Cardi B says a Jew, why can't Stanley say a Jew? Oh, they. So, you know, well, I'm Ka- gonna stop saying that. I feel weird now. All right, Catherine- we're, gonna, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to play that kind of this uh, this this back another day. And yes, that's like the after show. So, and regardless, Catherine Mararo says she loves. says she loves you, Stan. Zena, I'm sorry, Zena. <laughs> Kina. Sorry, we couldn't get to your comment, but Kanye's an Uncle Tom, and people still support him because they're sheep's and idiots. Okay. Back to the discussion at hand. So last week, we know that Roseanne showed her true racist colors once again when she made a comment about Valerie Jarrett, an African-American woman and former advisor to President Barack Obama. So in a tweet, Roseanne said, and I quote, Muslim Brotherhood and Parent of the Apes had a baby equals Planet of the Apes equal." Stanley, you know what? You're not going to try to sabotage my opening. It equals Valerie Jarrett. So the tweet was unquestionably a dog whistle racism that echoed a slew of conspiracy theories about Obama as a Muslim and historical stereotypes of black people as apes. So, nevertheless, ABC pulled the plug on Roseanne's show and she was canceled. So, Roseanne responds, first she actually blamed herself for the outrage, for the outburst, and then she blamed (laughs) Ambien. 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 And then she said, well, and then Ambien shoots back on Twitter and they say, I'm sorry, Roseanne, but racism is not a side effect. Sorry about that. So then she also started blaming liberal critics. Then she says ABC executives became nervous when black comedian Wanda Sykes uh, promptly left the show as a consultant. Um, So it was just going on and on. Right. 
And then she also blamed Michelle Obama in one tweet. <laughs> like, I was Wait, just and like, she also said that she didn't know Valerie Jarrett was, bla- was black. Oh, my as God. As if that changed anything. <laughs> but, oh, my. I, I just can't. She's on something. Roseanne, here's some advice. Delete your Twitter. Yeah, seriously, it's time to delete Twitter. That's not Ambien. That's Molly. We should just delete <laughs> Roseanne. Seriously, we need to delete Roseanne. Okay, so then our president decides to interject himself into the controversy. But, of course, he did not condemn Roseanne's racist tweet or talk about the need for tolerance or respect no of course not he narcissistically demanded that bob Iger, who is the chairman of disney which owns abc give him an apology the same way that he apologized to valerie jarrett he did that twice too by the way uh that's donald trump where, where do we find these trash people I, in America, this yeah. is white middle America for you. Ask white voters. <laughs> like I know, th- seriously. Um, okay, so this was not the first time that Roseanne has attacked a powerful, uh, a politically powerful black woman. A few years ago, she actually compared Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor, to an ape as well. Um, and I wanted to say, like to me, Roseanne's tweet was just an example of. Uh, everyday racism, right? So we here on Let Your Voice Be Heard, we talk a lot about systemic racism, which is seen in like the criminal justice system and any other established institution which has corrupt policies and practices that discriminate against people of color, particularly black people, right? And you see that in the fact that um, uh, most white and black people use marijuana at the same rates, but black people are disproportionately in prison for using and just even possessing marijuana. That's one example of systemic racism. But this was the everyday racism, everyday racism that so many of us particularly face, whether that's implicit bias, um, whether that's, you know, walking through a store and not being helped or, 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 you know, shopping while black or sleeping at Harvard while black or sitting in Starbucks while black. This is the everyday racism or barbecuing while black everyday racism. Right. So I know we do have a caller on the line. We have Patricia who wants to let her voice be heard. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Oh, hello. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. My question is about um, Valerie, you know, because I'm um, a lot of people are questioning this now about um, the uh, label that they're giving her. She's an Iranian, is that correct? And her family's from there. She her, she just, was born to African American parents in Iran. That is correct. Wait, 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 wait. African American parents in Iran mean they were on the plantation here, because see, we did struggle for that to get that name, and we went from colored to Negro. And see, I don't look like that, because often when I say, people ask me who I am, and I say African-American, they say what country. And that's very disturbing. So now I just have to say Negro so they know that I paid the way. She did not, did her African-American parents in Iran come from slavery? Did their ancestors a part of hanging in the trees, otherwise you're insulting us, dearie? Iranians wasn't in our battle over here. Those are the things we need to get straight because you're all watering down our history and making hanging on the trees like it was a joke. They were not on the trees. They did not hang by. And I tell people that all the time. Don't call them that. And they don't have no right coming here and taking our history and making it theirs. She is an Iranian. Her African-American parents is a joke. Are you kidding? And you're an insult. 
You wasn't with me hanging in the trees. Okay, I get your point. Well, to Patricia's point, I will say that a lot of right-wing theorists, conspiracists, and those who subscribe do consider Valerie Jarrett as, as not American. Look, you guys did the same thing to President Obama when they tried to say he was Kenyan. Wait, I, I thank you, Selena. That's all true, but we just need to take a second over here. Um, and thank you for calling, <laughs> but we will not get into the like, act of questioning someone's blackness because... They were quote unquote hanging on the trees or not. White people don't care. So why are you qualifying? A white cop will shoot a black person any second. They're not gonna ask were you hanging on the trees before they pulled the trigger and lie and say they felt threatened. Yeah. So uh, let's let's not do that. Let's not. Okay. So um, again, guys, if you want to let your voice be heard, the number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three six nine zero three. So I want to get uh, to the panel. I want to see what was your initial reaction to Roseanne's comments and her firing, Alyssa. Um, I mean, I was not surprised that if that, if that's what we're getting at. Um, yeah. Look, Roseanne has had a history of problematic comments, um, and I'm not just talking about jokes. Um, you know, because obviously Roseanne has been in comedy a long time, and she's made many many jokes throughout the years that have been, um, we'll say, borderline acceptable or appropriate. Um, but there's obviously a difference between some of the borderline acceptable or appropriate jokes that she has made in the past and the sort of outright racist and conspiracy theories that she has waited into essentially since Obama became president in 2008. Um, and so it is with this background that you have to ask yourself the question, why did ABC decide to put her show back on the air? And you have to ask yourself that question even further when you then find out that ABC actually had a plan B, a backup plan that they developed before they ever put her show back on the air because they knew that she was potentially going to be problematic. And even after these problematic tweets and even after her show was canceled, a lot of people didn't even realize she was on the internet, not only saying all the things that you've already mentioned and discussed, but retweeting anti-Semitic and racist conspiracy theorists. Not just that, she did a photo shoot where she was dressed as Hitler, and she was eating the ashes of Jews shaped like cookies. Yes, Stop. gingerbread man. This is before she got the show back. Listen, and I'm, I'm, I, don't, I hope I didn't cut you off, no, Alyssa. No, go, go for it, Stanley. I don't understand why people act surprised when white people white. Listen, ABC or NBC, whatever station they put that show on that I never watch, all they care about is the bottom line, their dollars. And the only people that still watch TV on a regular are the same people who voted for Trump and have sex with their cousins and live in middle America. And they were the ones that were going to watch it, and that's why they put her on there. And they thought that they could ignore lots of the racism until this happened, and all of a sudden now, the token black person who took a job with them, don't ask me why, decided to leave, and they, they decided to get values at that point. I'm not surprised by any of this. We've been dealing with this forever. And in the last three years or so, we've been seeing it at new heights. And the only people who are shocked by this are problematic white people and middle of the center white people. That's the only ones. Everybody else knows what time it is. Right. I mean, look, it, 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 it speaks to this issue of um, and like without rehashing the 2016 election, because it's not what we're here to do today. We've done that before. They said they wanted to put this show on the air to show working class families, right, to show the type of people that voted for Trump. What's and, well, and, and so, you know, Stanley and I have obviously had this conversation at length about racism versus working class anxieties and how that played into the 2016 election. And so they do this show that's supposed to be based on the working class and those anxieties 
but then the lead star of the show veers off into racism, and that makes you question the show to begin with, which is, and these people, and, and all of these things, and go back over it and be like, you know, was this show actually perpetuating racism in, on the air? And that's another reason why ABC maybe shouldn't have put it back on, um, or was it actually exploring these quote-unquote working-class anxieties? So, Alyssa, this is not something you're saying. This is something that everyone, like, the establishment is doing, where it tries to um, portray, like, so here's what you need to notice. Why is it every time we talk about working class, people of color are mentioned as an afterthought? Black people are working class. You want to show about right. working class people? Watch Blackish. Watch Fresh Off the Boat. Right. There are other options, other alternatives. You know, I agree to the point. I, I mean... ABC put this show in the air again because they want it to make money and they understand that Trump, his supporter, and just racist in America, they're very strong base and they're a very strong consumer base. So that translates into dollars. And we live in a capitalist society and people are just exploiting racism um, at black people's expense and, pe- and at the expense of people of color to make more money. It's simple as that. So, Alyssa, what was your reaction to Trump's response to Roseanne? You know, I... I uh, my reaction to Trump's response was actually I expected him to say more, to mm. be completely honest. Really? I, I thought his response was pretty mellow. Um, I will say I was more surprised that ABC actually canceled the show. Really? Um, it's their number one rated show. Um, uh, you know, obviously they play into white people and white supremacy. Um, and, you know, they they also claim that they did not cancel the show because of their advertisers, that they made the decision to cancel the show uh, before they ever even heard from their advertisers. Um, so I was actually more surprised not about what the president Mm. did or did not say but about the fact that they canceled the show to begin with because I just thought that they were just going to be like "Eh, whatever you know we're making money so like you said as long as we keep making money uh, then we're going to keep her on the air and 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 for them to then come out and say that they did this and I don't know if this is true or not I have to assume that they're telling the truth but maybe they lie that they did this before they found out whether their advertisers were going to pull out or not then that speaks to something yeah Um, well there's a black woman running ABC and shout out to her because she played a major role and also pulling Roseanne's show. I will say this before we go on a quick break that Donald Trump's um, response, yes it was narcissistic and yes it was not surprising but I think it was also extremely calculated because he's portraying himself as a victim and his supporters he cannot outrightly support Roseanne because he know that would be too politically incorrect to say but I think the way he phrased it and the way he meshed his response by saying oh but you know they attack me all the time they're attacking us automatically what that does is tell the the trump supporter the the roseanne lover and all the other people that love racism and subscribe to white supremacy that it's okay you know maybe maybe not i i I, like yeah i see where you're coming from i sort of get that but i think maybe you're giving him too much credit i just don't think he's that smart i mean and honestly i think this is just like typical donald trump which is like me 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 if if it was up to him he would have said Roseanne Kitt should not have been fired, but he didn't do that. He he he, in my opinion, just, like, masked it maybe in a very calculated way. Yeah, he I, I blew the dog whistle over and over and I over think again he's without. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, like you said, Alyssa. But also, he's empowered all these white supremacists. So it is what it is. It's getting really intense in here, guys. So I'm gonna put on something a little soft and loving for my homegirl JM. So let's enjoy this song as we go on a quick break. This is let your voice be heard.
This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Hey, Patricia, what's going on, beloved? I'm Haitian. <laughs> I'm also African. Holla at me. Right. I mean, uh, thanks for everyone. Since who- apparently we qualifying who's black because people didn't hang in trees in the South. I mean, look, black people live all around the diaspora. So it does not, I mean, to question each other's blackness because of where you were born, it's pathetic. And it's, it, it just, it's rooted in stupidity. And I think that we need to rise above that. And Selena is not a half breed. She is one eighth Navajo. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, back to the comments and the topic at hand. So when we last went on break, we heard from an angry caller and listener. Shout out to Patricia. We were also talking about racism and Roseanne. And we have a comment that someone left um, on Facebook so, so Live. Love. Yes, Carice Love left this <laughs> on Facebook. She says, and I quote, all of a sudden, we're supposed to feel empathy because because the average white family is going through economic stress. Big deal. So have people of color. Well, that, can I that's say fair. something? That's absolutely fair. We should show empathy, even to knuckle dragging racists. But that doesn't mean we have to allow them to be trash and we have to allow them into our spaces. But because they are human beings, we should feel empathy. In the same breath. F. Donald Trump and his supporters. Look, you know, I, I don't want to veer too far off topic, but it did make me think of something, which is I was actually watching last night on CNN, the special 1968, and they did a whole section about the gar- the black garbage worker strike um, in Mississippi. No, in and Memphis. Memphis. You're talking about Memphis. Yeah, sorry. And and about how, you know, like black people were not considered to be working class people. Um, and so I think like to Stanley's point that he made earlier and also to, to Karis's point, absolutely. I mean, black people are working class people. They should be treated as working class people and um you know and they shouldn't be categorized into some different category just because they're not white working class people so you know absolutely right so just to play devil's advocate a little bit um as we're talking about roseanne and her uh, her tweet which ended up in her can- the cancellation of her show mm-hmm. i mean is this an example of censoring free speech i mean i'm hearing on the other no. end- okay go ahead free speech censoring free speech is when the government tries to silence you for saying something you're stealing my thunder sorry sorry lawyer lawyer sorry um yeah so it's called the state action doctrine um basically you can only make a claim that your free speech rights were violated when as stanley said the government tries to censor you because when the government tries to censor you that is the state taking action against against you based on what you are saying um, and the content of your speech um, and your viewpoint. And that violates the First Amendment. Um, but what is not a violation of a first, the First Amendment is when a private company like ABC decides to cancel your show uh, because there was pressure from social media. What is not censorship is when people on social media decide they're going to boycott your show, um, like we see here. Uh, and like we also saw when David Hogg got people together to boycott all of Laura, Laura Ingram's advertisers. Um, And then, you know, Fox News pulled Laura Ingram off the air for like a week or something, and then they put her back on. Um, But like those are, in theory, examples of censorship, but they're not examples of violating people's free speech rights. I have always been of the opinion that you need to meet deplorable speech that you disagree with with your own speech. Um, and that does not mean we should have a heckler's veto and we should just shut down speech that we don't agree with or that we don't hear. Um, but we should show up and say, we disagree with your speech and here is our speech that we are going to counter your speech with. And we should also use our power on social media um, and on advertisers to put pressure on people and organizations and corporations uh, to not allow people to have platforms to spew racist and hate racist speech and hate speech. Yeah. Um, that's not censorship. 
Yeah, it's not. And, and I also just wanted to touch upon something that you just mentioned, the power of social media. Like, because of social media, it's it, it's a platform that basically gives us all a voice and it amplifies the voices of a lot of people of color who have traditionally been marginalized and disenfranchised in our country. But now we have this voice and we have this power to hold people accountable. And now they have to pay real consequences. Example, that point is Roseanne losing her job. So, yes, that's a very big deal. And shout out to everyone who was tweeting about it and contributed to her, you know, getting a boot. Look, you know, you want to talk about the consequences. Look at Colin Kaepernick, right? This is a man. It's not the government that's censoring his speech, although lately, I don't know, maybe there could be an argument made because of the pressure that supposedly the Trump administration put on these owners to to put this new whatever ridiculousness in place regarding the national anthem protest. But, you know, he has suffered real consequences because he has stood up for certain speech um, that we agree with. Roseanne is suffering consequences because she has put out speech that, you know, we disagree with. And so, again, there are consequences to saying certain things. Um, Some people may agree or disagree with what the consequences are. But you have to know if you are going to say things, there will be consequences. The first, you know, you only are being censored and having your free speech rights violated when you are being shut down or imprisoned or you know, not able to speak by the government. And that's something we really, really need to keep in mind. Right, absolutely. So uh, the next thing that I definitely want to throw this out to the panel and, and anyone who is listening or watching us via Facebook Live. So Media Matters, they actually did a study and they found that cable news spent 8.5 hours discussing Roseanne's tweet but only a few minutes talking about the 4,600 Puerto Ricans that died in uh, Hurricane Maria. Uh, Hold on, I have some more stats I want to give you. So MSNBC and NBC, they talked about Puerto Rico and this new study that came out for 21 minutes. And whereas they talked about Roseanne for three hours and 39 minutes. CNN, they gave an update about the figures in Puerto Rico for under 10 minutes. And they talked about Roseanne for four hours and 49 minutes. And then Fox, they talked about what's going on, the devastation in Puerto Rico for 48 seconds. And then they spent hours, again, talking about Roseanne. So the question that I have for you is, are we... As media and news consumers spending too much time focusing on a racist celebrity as opposed to the other dire issues that really need attention. Because the news, they're only, they're reflective of our interests as consumers. Stanley? Well, America doesn't care about black and brown people. It's not that complicated. That's this is what it is. We don't care about black and brown people unless they're being shot in the streets. Then it's interesting because it's like an episode of The Wire, and then people get bored again. Other than that, we don't care about black and brown people. If this if this same kind of devastation had happened somewhere in I don't know Idaho or New Hampshire, where the population of black and brown people is like negative five, this would be national news every single day. Right. So, and, and just to throw it even at you, Alyssa, I mean, hear us on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Our main topic today is Roseanne and racism. Yes, we spent a few minutes talking about Puerto Rico, but we decided to spend more time talking about Roseanne and racism. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you know, I think for us it was more strategic. Literally, while you were giving those numbers, I I was thinking, and even we are not talking about Puerto Rico today uh, in depth. I mean, for us, I think it was strategic. The thing, the difference for us is we have talked about Puerto Rico multiple times over the past couple of months. In fact, several weeks ago, uh, the day that I was out of the studio doing the Five Boroughs Bike Tour, you guys did an entire segment on Puerto Rico, and that was not the first time you had done a segment on Puerto Rico. 
Rico. So I think for us doing this, having this conversation today in lieu of doing Puerto Rico is more strategic due to the fact that we have had several conversations about Puerto Rico before. Um, but I do think that there is a problem in mainstream media because it's not good enough for us to just be talking about Puerto Rico once every uh, three or four weeks. You know, it's the mainstream media that really gets out to people. Yes, we have a following. Yes, so many of you are watching and listening to us today, and we appreciate that so much. Um, but we do not reach the amount of people that AM Joy reaches on Sunday morning. And so it is also the responsibility of corporate media to be talking about this as well, not just us. Um, and uh, I know we're going to go to Stanley, and I have some final thoughts, but I'll hold off on those for, for a second. Stanley? Quickly, we talked about Puerto Rico three times. We barely got any listens. If you look at our numbers for those podcasts, they're below average on Facebook Live. Same thing. So this is an issue we care deeply about. But honestly, when we're having a conversation about what kind of show to have, we have to also be considerate of what people are trying to engage in. And if we're having this conversation and we're shouting to we're blue in the face, or in my case, purple in the face, and no one's listening, why why are we exerting energy? And that's a real thing that makes me upset, but it's true. Well, and, and that is the reality of it. And, and we talk about that here as uh, people who create media, like we're an independent media company, and we have these we have these conversations behind the scenes all the time. But I would say this. In my opinion, it's just as important for us to talk about Roseanne and racism, even though she's a Trump-loving celebrity and a racist, because the things that she says directly correlate and impact the way we treat black and brown people in this country. The reason that she has the audacity and feels emboldened to call a black woman an ape or, and say that she's a Muslim terrorist and the reason why Roseanne as a white woman feels like she can just say this and get away with it and, we, and we're talking about the fact that she did it for like one of the first times in American history. Like people are, we're finally, they're finally paying real consequences. That correlates with how we, how that correlates and impacts policy and practices in America. Pop culture has always been one of the driving forces behind what happens in our politics and how our policies are affected. So if we were to let Roseanne get away with this and if we decided not to talk about it and not to tweet about it, it's only going to make systemic racism and everyday racism even harder. There's harder. Right. There is a direct correlation. Right. And on that note, we do we are wrapping it up. I want to get you guys' um, comments and feedback specific, specifically on uh, everyday racism versus systemic racism. So I started off this segment talking about the difference between both. What steps can we take to help combat both systemic and everyday racism, Alyssa? So I'm going to answer that, but before I do, I'm going to just say real quickly, which is this issue of Roseanne is bigger than Roseanne. This is not just about Roseanne. This is about every single white supremacist, um, racist, bigot that has now come out of the woodwork on Twitter that has been emboldened to say the things that they were saying in their mother's basement for the past 10 years on Twitter, out in public, in front of other people. And the reason that is happening, and they are emboldened to say that is because we have a president who thinks that it's okay to blow the dog whistle all the time. So we have to keep in mind the fact that this everyday racism is being driven by the systemic issues that are going on within society, within our very own, you know, uh, institutions that have existed forever and right within the White House. So that's number one. Number two, as for dealing with the systemic racism and everyday racism, you know, yes, we work very hard to combat systemic racism and to look at issues about criminal justice and how systemic racism is built into the criminal justice system, into the voting system, into many other 
other places. And that's great. And we have to continue to have those conversations. But we also have to have conversations like this about everyday racism. Because as Selena started off by saying, it's not always about the criminalization um, and the, the racist criminal justice system. It's about black people having the cops called on them at Starbucks or, you know, barbecue Becky calling the cops um, on them at, because they were barbecuing at a park. And all these other incidents you constantly are hearing about uh, where black people cannot just go and be in a public space without having to worry about the cops being called on them for no other reason but them being there and being black. And so we have to focus on that everyday racism also. And I think that the way you can do that is not just get involved uh, um, in some of these grassroots organizations, but don't be complicit. If you see somebody say something racist on Twitter or on social media, call them out because that's how another way in which we combat everyday racism. Stanley? Stanley? Well, white people have to admit that racism exists. There are people, still white people splitting hairs about whether what Roseanne said was racist. White people got to start dealing with their own nonsense. Listen, you are trash and your auntie and uncle are trash too. So start talking to them. Black folks on PLC will take care of our folks. But until white people are ready to admit, oh, this is a thing and we cause it, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. And and I will just say this to wrap it up. Uh, so President Trump and his base of supporters, they've succeeded in creating a safe public space for hateful, blatant racism, which Trump then exploits for his own political advantage. We know this, but we can't let that distract us from the destructive policies and actions that he and his administration are taking, nor the negligence that he's showing towards minority communities, particularly those in Puerto Rico. So stay abreast, stay aware. Like Alyssa said, don't be complicit. Continue to tweet, continue to talk about it, continue to share and support. And you know what? We are seeing some results. We have a long way to go, but progress is being made, and it's because of people like you and I. On that note, I want to just say thank you to everyone who listened in and who called into the show. Shout out to everybody who left a comment on our Facebook Live. Everyone who's listening via podcast, please share this show. And, of course, you can support us by giving a monetary donation on B- on Patreon.com slash Radio. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Radio. We'll see you again next week, guys. Enjoy. No, no, no.